CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called the Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. Oh, man, I had a few. I have a, very, a lot of tough days. But I, I the think... first one before lunch. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And Barrett Scher. Hi! And today we have a very special guest. It is the director and star of a movie called Castle Falls. It feels like we should have Don LaFontaine introducing you right now. <laughs> we should have, today on the Sincast, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> and castle falls is in theaters on demand and digital december 3rd dolph welcome thank you um how did you become attached to this project well um i had this other film with scott atkins who's a british actor and then i fell out so i was looking for a two-hander and i wanted to try to direct something small with some action or some drama just to see if i liked it because i directed 15 years ago when i I wasn't sure if it was, you know, something I wanted to do. So I found this script, which was kind of a version of the one uh, we shot, but, you know, the characters were, uh, were on the opposite sides, but I wanted, you know, both characters, both the prison guard and Scott's character, the MMA, ex-MMA guy, to have some more, a little more subtext and to, to be kind of both likable, but they are up against each other. So. We rewrote the script a number of times and, and tried to take it down in budget. And then um, we decided to do it um, in the early 2020, uh, right before COVID started. Oh, wow. I, uh, I read that you got one day of shooting in before, uh, the, uh, before you had to shut it down? Yeah, half a day, actually. We shut us down at lunch. Half oh a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> half a day. Oh, no. Which was good because... We got shut down by the city ordinance, which meant we could, we could collect insurance. So we shut down for seven months, which gave me actually valuable time to prepare a little more uh, and work with the actors and plan the fight sequences and stuff. And then we started up again um, October uh, in um, in Birmingham, Alabama. And we were you shot in Birmingham. Time. Excuse me. You shot in Birmingham. In Birmingham, yeah. Wow, wow. I have like a tax credit, but, you know, it's an interesting place. Uh, very it colorful, I may say. Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wondering if they if they had just had a building you they had that you could just blow up and, and that's the reason why you picked Birmingham or if it was because Birmingham was important or whatever. But uh I was like, that's very interesting. We're we're not too far from Birmingham where we're at. We're in Nashville. So uh oh, cool. it's always fun to see uh it's always fun to see something, you know, a city from the south uh, get into a movie like this and everything. So uh, we were wondering uh, what, why Birmingham. Well, it was had to do with the tax credit, and then uh, you mm -hmm. know, um, originally before COVID set in, we there was a prison up in um, Tuscaloosa, and there was um, a couple of other locations that 
we wanted to use, but we ended up not being able to do that because of uh, COVID. But there is this hospital that there, it's gone now, I believe, but they were gonna take it down. We needed some big building that was abandoned, but safe enough to shoot in where we can get a permit. And it was, it was difficult, but we found that hospital. And then we, because it, it had an interesting history, we kind of included some of that in the, in the uh, script. Oh, so that's an actual history that's, that's in the movie that the, that actual building has of being a children's hospital back in the day. Yeah, it was a children's hospital. And also it was also kind of um, controversial during um, the freedom riders in the South and all of that, that whole episode. And, I think in the early 60s or whenever. Oh, wow. So it was kind of, um, yeah, and then the story, um, in the story, there's a reason why they want to build something fresh there and something, the community center, and they want to kind of uh, erase that uh, kind of uh, negative, uh, some of the negative aspects of the past, which, you know, is kind of part of the mayor's speech in the, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it like directing yourself, especially in an action movie? Uh, I know that you've directed before and you've, you're usually also a star in the movie, but is that tough? Is that really super tough? Or do you just have this great crew behind you that's, you know, that helps you out and everything? But uh, how, how, what's the difficulties involved with that? Well, look, um, yes. I mean, I had a great crew and people want to help, but the thing is, you prepare as a director first, especially if you haven't done it that much, which means you're dealing with all kinds of issues, production and lighting, camera, dealing with actors, stunts. You know, uh, the last thing you think about is your own performance usually. And, and then suddenly you're in a big close-up and then nobody can help you. <laughs> so uh, you have to do your homework. You have to do your homework. And I, I I'd prepared pretty well for it, but I, I still would have somebody watch the monitor and I would give them instructions. It was actually my fiance and mm. give them instructions like, you know, watch for this, watch for that. If anything looks fake or if you don't believe it, let me know. Anything looks weird, just come and tell me because uh, you're so you're so much into the other actors' performance. So sometimes you forget you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is uh, a special movie as well for you because you are directing your daughter, Ida, in this as well. Um, and you get to play father and daughter in it. Now, I know you had done this before. It was a long time ago in the movie called uh, Command Performance. And uh, uh, yeah. it, it, had, it had been, what, 12 years or so since you had done this. Now, how special is that? And what, was the, what were the dynamics involved? And differences between the last time you did it well look it, it was it was a great experience for me to to have her on set to work with her um to give her a shot you know a little bit of a an opportunity to to uh come experience because this business is really tough and you know you need all the help you can get no matter who you are mm -hmm. um and back in the day back in 2009 or 8 when I last, you know, directed her, she was only like uh, 11 years old, mm -hmm. I think. And mm -hmm. Natural, kind of natural uh, actress. She she would cry on cue. And <laughs> I remember the leading lady was a bit, it's a bit, I felt a bit 
outclassed. Because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, women in movies usually have to cry. There's usually a scene to get to cry, especially in action movies. Right. Um, but you know, it was a good experience. And uh, we, you know, it was tough with COVID and everything and getting her there because she was with her mom in Europe at the time. She had to get her back and uh, get her over there. And, and uh, But she was good. And I think she played it character well underplayed it and, uh, yeah uh hopefully we could do it again yeah just as an aside in command performance i didn't realize what a drummer you were i didn't realize that at all <laughs> how long have, yeah it's so so but yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was like is this something that's One well known? is this something that's well known about Dolph Lundgren I'm not sure but it looked like I mean the movie made you look like you were awesome anyway I mean you know. well, I was I was I was okay I used to play in a marching band up and down the field that kind of thing and then yeah this um I had a script came to me about a, a drummer in a kind of diehard in a concert for the, the rock and roll drummer of right. course right. he's the badass so uh, it, it was it was okay. I had a pretty good time doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you got to the casting of this, obviously uh, Scott Adkins is a is a top name on this. But uh, how did you go about your casting for this movie? You know, um, it was mostly local actors because of our, you know, we had some limitations financially, and also you have to hire a certain number of actors to get the tax credit. Um, mm -hmm. And I was a bit nervous about it, but then I found all of these, there was a really good actors in Atlanta, mm -hmm. which is sort of a driving distance. And then uh, mm -hmm. we also found a bunch of local actors, like even in Birmingham. And some of them did a great job. There's like a few, they're outstanding, you know. So I was very happy with that. Um, yeah, I think they did a great job. And, and a lot of the stunt guys and some of those big guys are in it, running up and down those stairs, you know, they're all locals. Mm -hmm. um, and they look the part and they look, they look tough. They look, you know, so they're tough southerners and, you know, these, these tough, and I was supposed to be the characters anyway. They all can fight too, doll. I mean, it seems like it, what I, what I want to wonder about, you know, the films that you've been in, certainly the films that you directed, especially Castle Falls, what are you looking for um, in filming fight scenes? Are you looking more for, uh authenticity or are you looking for choreography obviously i'm sure it would be best to get both of them right uh but but it seems like you know scott we, we talked to scott recently uh and i know his history of being an actual uh martial artist uh and and obviously he has that physicality and he's not afraid to get hit uh nobody wants to of course but um it, what is the Kind of, how do you approach these fight scenes, of which there are several in this film? Well, look, my whole approach to the movie was coming from the human aspects of these people, meaning I have to make sure it's believable. So Scott plays kind of a somewhat, somewhat over-the-hill MMA fighter mm -hmm. who's uh, down in his luck, sleeps in his car, he's got no money. So I could take a leap of faith that in the fights, when he gets attacked by these bad guys, he's going to be able to throw a roundhouse kick or a knee or something, which my character is a prison guard, you know, it's like more like a street fighter. So you have to keep mm -hmm. the styles different. And then in, we had this choreographer who was in from Europe, but he couldn't come over to the States because of the COVID, but he, he would send clips over and then Scott would rehearse with the stunt people. And he's very 
or it's a perfectionist. I could just leave it up to him. And we had a great uh, operator who was a stunt guy as well. And he would shoot and everything. And I would watch and just comment if something didn't look right. But usually Scott would be more of a perfectionist than I was. Um, and um, I think I was just looking for longer takes where you realize, you know, when you have the quick cutting, you, you, you kind of feel there's a stunt person in there. But for sure, I wanted for Scott sure. to do the fighting, you know, even with me. And I... I had a bunch of injuries so I, from old, you know, various things I've done. And I, uh, you know, I was struggling a bit. But I sort of kept up with him and pulled my bicep tendon up, ripped up here. And oh, things. my God. <laughs> but, you know, you know, but I knew that I couldn't afford to do big car stunt or major stunts. So I thought if we get good fights in it, then, you know, at least we have that going, which, you know, some a lot of films don't have. Uh, because, for instance, the guy who plays um, um, uh, Deacon Glass, who's like uh, one of the criminals, he he's a stunt guy, and he did a great job as an actor. So he could yeah. do his own fights too. So he's doing all his own fights, and a lot of the other tough guys in the movie, they do their own fights. Because you know, as a director, you only have to speak to if you just spend a little time with that actor, even if it's a stunt actor. And you, you you just work on the character a little bit, you can get a great performance out of somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. But a lot of times in action movies, they don't care about that. They only care about the action, and then you lose the, the person. You know. Right. So you had the the luxury of having people with stunt backgrounds on that, so you might as well yeah. take advantage of it, right? Exactly. The, mm. the, yes. For some of those characters, they had to be stunt. They had to have done fights, and then I had to find the best person with that capability. And sometimes for the top, say, seven, eight characters, I would write a little, think about their character, write a little bio and send it to them and they can read it and try to make it super dramatic, you know, the terrible childhood and (laughs) incarceration, women or, you know, (laughs) cheated on them. Come in, alcoholism, anything bad that would make them feel something. So when they show up, they they coming from a real place, you know. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Jonathan, what you got? Well, I am I am curious if you don't mind because I just I find it interesting that we're talking. I find it exciting that we're talking to you this week because uh, the Rocky Four uh, director's cut, uh, Rocky versus Drago, mm. I believe is what it's titled now, right? Um, I was just curious if you had any thoughts on that or uh, if Stallone like actually contacted you beforehand or I, I just didn't know how what all went into that. Well, I heard about it almost a year ago when he started. And then he sent me clips. We're like, we, you know, it was during COVID. I, I didn't really see him much. Um, didn't see him for over a year or more, actually. And uh, I knew he was working on it. And then I heard about the premiere, uh, which was Thursday, because it always opens around Thanksgiving, all the Rocky movies since yeah. 1976. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wanted to go, but I was stuck here in London. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about seeing it. I, I, I think it's great that he's doing this. I think that it is a film that has somehow survived, you know, te- it survived the test of time somehow, because mm-hmm. even when I walk, I catch it once in a while and it doesn't feel dated. I mean, right. yeah, the cars may be older, but the style, the cinematic style is, is kind of modern, I think, you know. And that's why kids love it, I think, because there is uh, some great stuff in it. And, uh, you know, some of these workout 
those training montages are incredible the way he's put that together. Yeah. It's just amazing. I mean, who else, who else has have done that? Just, the only thing that came up close would have been the Creed movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still not maybe as good as that one, no. <laughs> well, I have experience with Russia that, America though. Thing, yeah. uh, the yeah, Russia-America yeah. thing is just, you know, well, you can't beat that. And no offense to Carl Weathers and, like, Mr. T, but, I mean, Rocky Four has the best villain, too, right? So, I mean, that helps, right? Well, I think it's the most uh, scary and more formidable and also, to some degree, kind of, I don't know how to say it, but it's a little tragic because you, in the other movies, they're doing it for themselves, but in this movie, he's doing it for the state, so it's not really his idea, you get a feeling he's a Frankenstein's monster. He's, and then there's something kind of a little deeper in that than just Mr. T being, uh, I want to kick Rocky's ass you know, which, <laughs> and take his woman, you know. it's, it's um, So I think it has a lot of elements that are certainly worth redoing it. And um, hopefully, you know, some of the young kids will be able to see it and then maybe enjoy it. Well, that, yeah, was, for sure. that was the uh, great revelation of Creed too, though, was that, Ivan Drago was doing this for his country. This was this was something that he, when he came back, he was basically just uh, persona non grata after that, and everything. Did you did you look at yeah. did you look at your uh, character back then as the villain of the movie, or did you think of yourself in that of him in that in those terms that he's doing this for his country that this is you know important to his country and he's the hero over in russia yeah well i had this russian director who was my dialect coach but he turned out to be a really smart director Mm -hmm. because i had already auditioned and i'd already come up with the idea of uh when i lived in new york to play him very not to do anything just to stand there because I'd seen Mr. T in, in Apollo, they were very, very, uh, you know, very anima- animated. Mm-hmm. So I thought he should just be very internal. Everything is internal. He just stands there, you know, I must break you. It's just, mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Um, so I don't come up with that. And these Soviet cadets keep their chin really high. They have this sort of look. You know, this, it's the hero of the proletariat you know mm-hmm. the communist hero that that with a square jaw so this russian um director he was you know he was a he was a theater director in moscow he he came up with a backstory that i you know i'd been used since i was a kid and i'd been trained to do this for the state but i didn't really like it i wasn't crazy about it like i didn't want to kill apollo creed but i've been told to do it so i don't i didn't you know and at some point in the movie you get the feeling that Drago doesn't doesn't really like the fact he's being injected and, yeah. you know, and pushed and forefront. He's not really into it. And then there's that moment at the end where, where you know he kind of rebels. The monster rebels against the doctor who created him. You know, so uh, I played into that a little bit, and I think that's probably why I ended up playing He-Man in the next <laughs> film, which is kind of a heroic character because yeah. people. Uh, it kind of felt a little sorry for Drago, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, some people still hate me for killing Apollo, but um, yeah, you know, but um, we forgive but I think you. What was cool in Creed Two was that um, you know you got to find out what really happened, and mm-hmm. you know, to see this poor guy still like 
totally bitter about what happened 35 years ago. And then, <laughs> and then I got a chance to uh, kind of redeem myself, I guess. And um, yeah, I think it was a cool story, father-son story. I think it was pretty moving, actually. I, I, read, the it script. Is. I read the script and I, I, I remember I worked on a character and, and with my, uh, I worked with Sky New York, acting coach uh, sometimes and stuff. And he said, you know, of all people in the whole world, the last guy who's going to throw in the towel is Drago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when he does, it's a shocker, right? right. I read the script and I'm like, what? And then <laughs> I remember when I, <laughs> I could see when I, we shot that scene when I go up to hug my son and I, I could see the women and the extras were crying in the theater, in the, in the, you know, on, you know, on set. Mm. And I knew it was going to, it was going to work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it does. It does. Um, apparently we only have a couple more minutes. So, um, uh, one last thing, I guess on, on Castle Falls, do you remember what your toughest day on set was? Oh man, I had a few, I have a, very, a lot of tough days, but I, the I first think, one before lunch, <laughs> right? You know, uh, we, we have to walk 10 stories up to the 10th floor to do some of that high, uh, high stuff. But oh. the fight with Scott was a tough day because I had drama. I did some other scenes and I had to fight him mm -hmm. while I was directing and I pulled a bicep tendon, and, which is painful. I had to finish the fight. I think that was a pretty tough day. <laughs> I do have to say, Dolph, one thing, uh, yeah. your performance, of course, is, is terrific in this. Uh, I think Scott really has a, a great uh, sense of, of acting within the action genre, uh, particularly with yeah. his eyes. And I wonder I because he did so many Hong Kong uh, movies where if that, that kind of seeped in a little bit, did you, did you notice that there's a particular scene between the two of you uh, in the windows uh, that I won't spoil. That is the, I think the, the, uh, my favorite part of the movie uh, where you both are acting through your eyes there. Look, uh, Scott. Yeah. He's, he's a very talented actor. It's just like a lot of times in action movies, especially, you know, lower budgets, there's nobody has time to worry about the character and the director doesn't care. He's pressured by the producers. They don't care. They, I've done a bunch of those movies and Scott has done a few, I think. And I just think if, you know, you know, if he works with a good director and I did my best then yeah, he has a lot of talent and he is very interesting and he, he has a lot of depth and I, I wish he, he can do more films like that. Mm -hmm. Me too. Well, <laughs> I'd love uh, to see him. Uh, Dolph, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it was a pleasure yes, talking you. to you. Sure. Um, uh, the movie is Castle Falls. It comes out in theaters on demand and digital on December 3rd. Uh, best of luck to you on this movie. Uh, hope it does well for you. Thanks, guys. Hope to see you soon and talk to you soon. Absolutely. Yep. That's going to do it for this interview. It's Chris Atkinson, Jonathan Watkins, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.